Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB. Welcome along to the WIA National News. This for week commencing April 28, 2013. International disaster, earthquake in China. Saturday, April 20, a major earthquake hit China's southwest rural area. It's left 200 dead, injured about 12,000 and many more people homeless. Far Bin, Bravo Alpha 1 Romeo Bravo, reported that amateur radio operators swung into action to provide emergency communications and coordinate part of the disaster response. Fan Bin, BA1RB, has recently reported that public communication was back to normal in the disaster area and the local repeater systems continued to work well. He said that the Chinese Radio Sports Association, also known as the Chinese Radio Amateur Club, no longer required emergency communication frequencies. It expressed thanks for the support from IARU member societies and others. A role for some radio hams was maintaining traffic control with emergency supplies arriving including tents, water, food and medicine. Neighbouring Russia sent rescue teams and the Red Cross from Hong Kong with an embedded radio amateur are helping the ongoing effort. We'll have lots more international news a little later in this bulletin, thanks to Jason, VK2LAW. But before that, let's look first at VK happenings, GPS jammers used by taxi drivers. To track modern taxis by finding the closest one vacant to a job and for security reasons, cabs are fitted with satellite-based global positioning system technology. The supply and use of a GPS jamming device has been outlawed in Australia since 2004. However, intelligence indicates that devices may be used by some cab drivers to block signals. In a joint initiative called Operation Signal, the ACMA joined with the Victorian Taxi Directorate at the Melbourne Airport Taxi Holding Yard to re-educate drivers. Armed with fact sheets and a spectrum analyzer, the ACMA spoke to hundreds of them who should now know that GPS jammers are prohibited. GPS jammers actually create a bubble of interference or blocking around a taxi. A few operators have used a GPS jammer to override taxi meters and trick the cab companies into giving them work when they're not in the immediate area or are vacant. At the expense of their colleagues, those using a jammer could make up to $200 extra a week. Horse Enduro, Girard State Forest, 4 to 5 of May. Wyson Northern Rivers will assist with comms for the Tenterfield Equestrian Club. 20, 40 and 80 kilometre rides, first out early Saturday. Base and two checkpoints are required. There will be around 60 to 100 riders and terrain will probably mean comms will be on 80 or 40 metres with a two metre liaison channel. You'll depart early Friday morning, RV convoy at Casino about 10.30 and set up by noon Friday, a circuit recce and test in the afternoon. If you can assist, contact Ross, Victor Kilo 2, Alpha, Romeo, Delta. Homebrewers, next Saturday, the next VK3 Homebrew Construction Group meeting will take place Saturday, May 4 at 2pm at Amateur Radio Victoria, 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. The group will have microwave enthusiast and amateur radio magazine columnist David Smith, VK3HZ, to talk about polarity protection on his 10 GHz transverter. The meeting will also have a show-and-tell segment and discussion. All are welcome to attend on the Saturday. MDRC Hamfest 2013, the Moorabbin District Amateur Radio Club are pleased to remind you that 2013 Hamfest takes place May 11. Doors open at 10am. The year's event will be at the Southern Community Centre, Rupert Drive, Mulgrave. 
The Moorabbin Radio Club's annual ham fest is proud to be Victoria's biggest with displays and sales of new and pre-loved equipment. A must-come, must-see event for anybody interested in radio comms and electronics. There's major door prizes, free tea and coffee, light refreshments and a sausage sizzle. Trader table bookings are still available and general inquiries, contact Graham Lewis, Victor Kilo 3, Golf Lima. The Eastern Zone Amateur Radio Club, based in Victoria's La Trobe Valley, will hold a 75th anniversary dinner at the Morwell Bowling Club Saturday, May the 18th. A special event station, VI3BEZ75, will be active during May to further celebrate the formation of the Eastern Zone of WIA Victoria in 1938. Hello, this is Clive, VK4 Alpha Charlie Charlie, on behalf of the Rockhampton and District Amateur Radio Club. Last Wednesday evening at the at the club meeting, 17th of April, a celebration and presentation to two of our Rockhampton and District Damage Radio Club members was taken place. Gordon Adams, VK4GM, and Doug, VK4DUG. These two both have continuous membership in the WIA for 50 years to the day. They joined the WIA in 1963, and we hold both copies of both original membership certificates to send down or to the WIA. During the presentation, Gordon stressed to the younger members the importance of being members of WIA. We also had a, brought back a few pieces of history in amateur radio in the Rockhampton, Central Queensland area. In March 28, the first Rockhampton Radio Club was formed. The CQ branch of the WIAQ was formed in November 1960. Yes, every member had to have WIA membership. And uh, we were all members too. Rockhampton District Amateur Radio Club was formed the 15th of May 1996. This was due to the uh, a bit weirdly administration between the WIAQ and the CQ branch. That's when we became the Radar Club. Clive VK4CC, winner of a 75th WI anniversary medal, past federal councillor, past member of WAQ advisory committee, made the presentation on behalf of the WIA. The two recipients received a 50-year WIA medal on behalf of the WIA. We hope to send pictures and uh, add information to the WIA for AR magazine. Thank you. VK4CC, Secretary, Radar Club, Rockhampton. Have you prepared for the last weekend in May, the 2013 WIA AGM and Conference? The Tradewinds Hotel overlooks the Swan River in Fremantle. The well-appointed rooms have a kitchenette and a group together around the central facilities of the hotel. You'll make your own reservation and make sure you tell them it's for the WIA Conference, so you get the special room rate of $180 per night. The 2013 WIA AGM and Conference. It's all about engaging, learning, appreciating, socialising and discovering. You'll find all the information online at the VK6 Conference site, conference.vk6.net. What use is an F-call? Having a licence, or rather getting a licence, is an activity that is relatively simple. I've heard it said that people fear public speaking more than death and zombies. King your microphone is about as public as you can get, but compared to public speaking, there is a payoff. You don't actually have to look at your audience, and you can do it from the safety of your bedroom if you so desire. As I've said in the past, I've keyed my microphone many, many times. When you listen to me, you might not realise that every time I key my microphone, 
is a first time of sorts all over again. When I talk on air, for example to start this segment today, I had to take a breath, compose myself and key my microphone and start talking. As an added bonus, I'm reading from a script, so I know when I've made a mistake, even if you don't. As I'm speaking to you now, I have butterflies flying through my stomach. I'm wired, and if I'm not careful, I'll sound like a speeding train, talking at a million miles an hour. The flip side of that is that you normally don't hear any of the internal dialogue I'm having. I key my microphone and just start talking. If you've never done that, then the idea of saying something on air can be daunting. The more you hesitate, the harder it gets, and the more you might fear the actual process, never mind the technical aspects of setting up your station. There are a couple of things that you might do to make this a little less terrifying. First of all, you might consider that the process of keying your microphone for the first time is something you've already done several times in your life. You spoke on the phone for the first time. You met a stranger. You were asked a question in a meeting. Keying your radio is the same thing. Every amateur has had to go through the process. And, in addition, there are radio nets around where you can do this with people who have only just gotten their license too. So don't be afraid of your microphone. The trick is not to give in to whatever is holding you back, but to take a breath and give it a go. I look forward to hearing you on air, zombies notwithstanding. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima Alpha Bravo. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, AR Victoria and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. The AMSAT News Service bulletins are a free weekly news and information service of AMSAT North America, the Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation. ANS publishes news related to amateur radio in space, including reports on the activities of a worldwide group of amateur radio operators who share an active interest in designing, building, launching and communicating through analogue and digital amateur radio satellites. SARL to get a 472kHz licence. The SARL has secured a pilot licence for experimentation on 472kHz. The SARL has made payments for the two 5 MHz licences, made mention of several weeks ago here on VK1 WIA National News, and the 472 kHz licence. A special web section is being created for the information of SARL members. Repeater locator for iPhone, iPad. A free repeater directory app for the UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South America and more is now available for iPhone and Android-based smart devices. Repeater Locator enables the travelling ham to easily find repeaters across the most populated areas of the world using GPS or a locator to find repeaters. Also, the Android version supports the BlueCat FT857 and FT817 Bluetooth CAT interface that will allow a user to simply touch a repeater to instantly his or her radio. You can find Repeater Locator by searching for Zulu Bravo Mic 2 at the Apple App Store or the Play Store. Radio scouting event a major success. A ham radio-related youth workshop in Kirkland, Washington, is being called a big success. This thanks to the hard work of the amateur radio support team at the event. According to the planners, there were over 100 electricity, electronics and radio merit badges completed by the 58 youngsters who were registered at the event. 14 adults and 14 scouts qualified for their amateur radio licences. 
Five of the adults were scoutmasters. Some of the others were from scouting troops and the Lake Washington Ham Club. Another event of this type is in the planning stages for September 14th. Young radio amateurs in South Africa have been invited to become interested in VHF and the frequencies above, including the Square Kilometre Array, SKA. We radio amateurs started off on the medium frequencies with spark transmissions, then forced to relocate to the shorter wavelengths, the HF band, where we pioneered worldwide DX operation via the F and F2 layers, and even explored the more useless ultra-high frequencies above 56 MHz. As radio communications progressed throughout the years, it was discovered that there were many different modes of propagations present on VHF, UHF and SHF that made long distances possible, including DX, EME, satellite and space communications. This is a great challenge for the younger generation of South African radio amateurs to explore the modern world of radio communications and make their contribution to radio science. After all, it was a radio amateur, Grote Reba, W9GFZ, at Wheaton, Illinois, who originally mapped the radio sky on VHF 160 MHz and became the first radio astronomer in the world. California's CB operator cited for talking too much to nobody. A California CB operator has been cited by the FCC for what amounts to having been long-winded while talking to nobody on the 11-metre chicken band. Here's amateur radio news lines, Bruce Tennant, K6PZW. Talking to nobody on 11 meters but taking a long time to say it is the crux of a notice of violation issued on March 12th to Joseph Loancanau, who lives in the Los Angeles suburb of Lakewood. According to the FCC, back on January 29th, the FCC received a complaint of interference to CB radio communications on 27.165 megahertz. In response, agents from the Los Angeles Office Enforcement Bureau T-hunted the signal and determined that they were coming from an antenna at a residence owned by Mr. Loancanau. While monitoring the frequency, the agents observed someone whom they alleged to have been Joseph Loancanau engaging in extended one-way transmissions, which resulted in intentional interference to other CB stations. Some of these transmissions, the FCC says, lasted up to 20 minutes in length. This led to the FCC issuing the notice of violations, seeking additional information concerning the violations and any remedial actions that Loan Canal had since taken. Specifically, his response had to fully explain each violation, including all relevant surrounding facts and circumstances. It was also to contain a statement of the specific actions he had so far taken to correct each violation and preclude any recurrence. But it did not end there. In accordance with Section 1.16 of the rules, Loancanau was directed to support his response with an affidavit or declaration made under penalty of perjury, verifying the truth and accuracy of the information that he provided to the FCC. He was also warned that to knowingly and willfully make any false statement or conceal any material fact in reply to the notice of violation was punishable by fine or imprisonment under Title 18 of the U.S. Code. Joseph Loancanau was given 20 days from the release of the notice of violation to submit his written statement concerning this matter. That date is now passed, but at airtime it's not known what information he had in his reply to the FCC. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Bruce Tennant, K6PZW, monitoring this one from Los Angeles. The Lawton Fort Sill Amateur Radio Club will be hosting a special event station from May 8th through the 11th at the Comanche National Museum in Lawton, Oklahoma. This will commemorate the work of the Comanche Code Talkers of World War II. According to Wikipedia, the Code Talkers were people who used obscure languages as a means of secret communication during wartime. The term is now usually associated with the United States soldiers during the World Wars, 
who used their knowledge of Native American languages as a basis to transmit coded messages. There were approximately four to five hundred Native Americans in the United States Marine Corps whose primary job was the transmission of secret tactical messages. Code talkers transmitted these messages over military telephone or radio communications nets using formal or informally developed codes built upon their native languages. Their service improved communications in terms of speed of encryption at both ends in frontline operations during World War II. You're listening to VK1 and the WIA National News Service. Coming up now, something from our weird and wonderful files. Here's John Victor Kilo 2, Juliet Juliet Whiskey, with the story of a de-expedition gone wrong. Three hams were shipwrecked during a de-expedition. One was a W-5 from New York, one was a G-3 from London, and one was an SP-4 from Warsaw. The little island was so tiny it only had a single palm tree on it, and the three guys just walked around and around it in circles. After a few thirsty days, the SP-4 stubs his toe on something, and pulling it out of the sand, he sees it's an oil lamp. Right away, he starts to rub and shine it with his tattered shirt, as you do. Poof! Out comes a genie. Master, I'm ready to grant you three wishes, says the genie. The SP-4 says, Gee, can you make it one wish apiece for us three? The genie thinks about this and says, OK, I guess I can do that. So the W-2 goes first. I'd like to be at 42nd on Times Square, sipping a cold miller and watching the mini-skirted girls parade by. Poof! And he's gone. The G-3 goes next. I wish I was in Piccadilly Circus, sipping me some cold ale and watching the lasses go prancing by with their long hair swinging in the breeze. Poof! And he's gone. Now it's the SP4's turn. Oh, gee, I don't know. Can't run a one-man de-expedition. I wish my buddies were back. This is Trent VK4TS from the Radio Activities panel of the WIA. The Wallace Institute of Australia is proud to announce the introduction of the Michael Owen plaque for competitors in the IARU HF Championship contest held in July every year. A plaque will be presented by the WIA to the highest point scoring single operator station in IARU Region 3 in the IARU HF Championship. Regardless of mode or bands used, the Michael Owen plaque shall be awarded annually to the single operator scoring the most points in the HF Championship. This is to encourage excellence in Region 3 contesting. In memory of the work and dedication of Michael Owen, former President of the Wireless Institute of Australia. Check the WIA website for any current rules. This has been Trent, VK4TS. Thanks, Trent. Now, continuing operational news and radio sport, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, with Dateline 2013. The day of the Wyouts will be held 18 and 19 of May. VK Shire's June long weekend 0600 hours UTC Saturday June 8 ends 0600 hours UTC June 9. Worldwide International Museums weekends June 15 and 16 and 22-23. Special event stations DX and Beacon and Net Advice. First D-Star repeater in Canaries. ED8ZAB is the first D-Star repeater in the Canary Islands. It is rated at 10 watts and transmits on 438.462.5 MHz from Grand Canary at an altitude of 1,200 metres, 3,650 feet. A new CCS system consisting of a routing via DTMF has been installed. 
Send the Dead Team FD star 40412 from your nearest repeater. Marion Island. Two radio amateurs are part of the overwintering team and will be active on Marion Island now to April 2014. ZS8C Carson, ZR6CWI and ZS8Z David, ZS1BCE. Modes will be mainly SSB and digital modes and their QSL manager is ZS1HF. Japanese amateur radio operators celebrate the successful transition from analogue to digital terrestrial TV with the call ADEN1TW. Activity continues till the 28th of July. QSL via the Bureau. The Expedition to the Isle of Mull, EU008. Steve Thomas, M1ACB and other members of the CAM HAM group will be operating GS3PYE-P from the Isle of Mull 10 to 16 May from 2 metres to 160 metres as well as a station on 472 kHz. DL100 OUI celebrates 100 years since first DLUS radio contact. Keep an ear open for the German special event call sign DL100 OUI, which will be on the air throughout 2013. This in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the first commercial radio contact between that nation and the United States from Hanover. OUI were the call letters of the German station at that time. The US station was located in New Jersey. CT1FTR is now active from the sedan as ST2FT operating both the HF and VHF bands using a Yaesu FT857 and a loop antenna. Word is that he will be there until June. QSL via CT1FTR. We mentioned this one last week, but again, RG61PP celebrating the day of the cosmonaut 12th of April and the birthday of Yuri Gagarin 9th of March 1934 is on the air now until the 31st of May. Now from Ingham to Canberra, where Peter Ellis VK1PE is reporting on a third of its kind transmitting station that is being built in India. Amateurs have been enjoying the delights of 137 kilohertz, 475 kilohertz and so forth for a while now. However, the military use of VLF and below has been around for a lot longer. Witness in Australia alone, Belcon and ACT on 44 kilohertz in the 40s, Northwest Cape WA on 19.8 kilohertz in the late 60s, the Amiga station in Gippsland, Victoria on 13 kilohertz and later 18.6, and investment in these really low bands is continuing. For those in the know, Jane's, and it started as Jane's Fighting Ships, has been the last word in publishing analysis of defence matters for around 115 years. Jane's Defence Weekly of uh, early March reports on recent photographic analysis of Indian naval station Kataboman in Tamil Nadu, India. It currently has four frequencies between 16.3 and 19.2 kilohertz, that's VLF, to communicate with submerged submarines. It's being expanded with two towers for even lower frequencies. That could be called ELF. Immediately south of the VLF 13 tower array that is nearly 2.5 kilometres wide. The new transmitter is reported to be on ELF between 3 and 30 hertz and related to the Russian Zevs station near Murmansk on 82 hertz with a wavelength of 3,660 kilometres, a significant proportion of the Earth's diameter. The new facility will supposedly feature nuclear-hardened bunkers and be operational in 2015. 
yet the two new 500-metre-tall towers seem immaterial at these frequencies that need very long and low wires running out for tens of kilometres over a very poor conducting soil and that use the earth itself as the antenna. The now decommissioned American seafarer station in Wisconsin on 76 hertz had feeder wires running 52 kilometres. The Russian Zev system feeders run for 60 kilometres in each direction. With an input of hundreds of amps, their calculated emitted power is only a few watts. Who knows, maybe the new towers are to expand the VLF options for the Indian Navy and the ELF is quite separate. Only time will tell. For National Radio News, I'm Peter Ellis, VK1PE. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's CW, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the First Class CW Operators Club. To commemorate their 75th anniversary, the First Class CW Operators Club this coming May, the organisation is holding a month-long on-air event featuring more than 20 special FOC suffix calls. This will include GB75FOC, which is a special anniversary call sign for their club station. There will also be other FOC call signs operating from the USA and Canada, as well as some exotic locations such as VQ9, HZ1 and 5T. Stations will gain points for contacting any first-class CW Operators Club member and a certificate will be presented to stations who reach certain point levels. Founded in 1938, with its roots, history and management in the United Kingdom, the First Class CW Operators Club promotes good CW operating, Morse activity, friendship and socialising via its worldwide membership of approximately 500. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier Space Lab 2 proposed Beyond the Moon NASA has proposed a concept for a deep space station that has been dubbed Skylab 2. Cheryl Lasik, K9BIK from Amateur Radio Newsline, said that Skylab 2 concept would consist of a single-piece habitat based on the Space Launch System's upper stage hydrogen tank. The resulting space station would be equivalent to a two-storey house. Such a space station would be human-tended, hosting crews for weeks and then months at a time. It would serve as a way station for expeditions into deep space or back to the lunar surface. Astronauts on the deep space station could remotely operate radio-controlled robots on the lunar surface and would study the effects of deep space, which includes microgravity and radiation on the human body. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet, the HAMS Domain. Latest handheld radio website launched. Bill Carmichael has launched a website to provide information on the latest handheld radio technology. The site includes product reviews and articles from radio enthusiasts globally discussing what they consider to be the best handheld radio gear. Ham Radio-wise, the quad-band Yaesu VX8DR and the dual-band Yaesu FT60R handhelds are among the radios featured on the site. You can read it for yourself on besthandheldradios.com. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Well, there we go. WIA National News, as we say, for another week. And who says it can't be done today's uh, bulletin? 
was brought to you kind of live from uh, being mixed on a tablet, yes, on the, the old iPad. So uh, I think we've uh, managed to, uh, to put everybody's news into some sort of order and bring it to you on this, the April 28 edition. Now, to all the WIA news broadcasters, there will be a very special news broadcast coming up for you to retransmit, that being the broadcast out of West Australia for the AGM. That's on the weekend of May 24, 26. Now, all rebroadcasters, people that have set up automated uh, repeater stations, what we need you to do, and do it straight away, is to go on and make sure you are subscribed to the WIA Broadcasters at yahoogroups.com. That's WIA Broadcasters at yahoogroups.com because that's where you're going to be able to find out how to transmit the news. Otherwise... Lots of your listeners will have dead air on that weekend of May 24, 26. Speaking of dates, on the social scene, May 3 to 5 in VK4, it's the Clearview Amateur Radio Weekend. May 11 in VK3, Moorabbin and District Radio Club Hamfest. May 11 in VK4, it's Barkfest at Mount Gravatt Showgrounds, 9.30. May 11 in VK6, it's Hills Amateur Radio Group's Hogfest, that's at 1pm. We mentioned it, the WIA AGM and Conference in Perth, May 24-26. July 20 in VK3 is Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest. August 11 in VK2 is Sarkfest, that's at 414 Richmond Hill Road near Lismore. August 17-18 is the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. There's more on the ILLW in the text edition of this broadcast, so make sure you get that, and that's best read when you go and read the text edition on wia.org.au. October 3-7 to 7 in VK4, the North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention in Charters Towers. November 2nd in VK4, Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest at Albert Waterways Hall. November 3 in VK5 is Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society at Goodwood. Two more things in November. November 15 to 17 in VK3 is Victorian National Parks Weekend. And the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club Rosebud Radio Fest takes place November 24 in VK3. Now until next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly.